It's Tuesday, January 16th. If this was Trump versus the field, well, Trump just won. We start here. In a blowout victory, the former president claims more than half of Iowa caucus goers. We want to thank the great people of Iowa. We've already seen one candidate drop out overnight. Complete Trump domination. And now every other campaign is asking, what now? Nikki Haley's clearly proud of the work she has in New Hampshire. After a stone-cold caucus, we're tallying the takeaways here in Iowa. From ABC News, this is a special edition of Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. In the last several years, participation in American elections is up. People are more interested in selecting their next president, not less. And last night in Iowa, there was a lot on the line. The first contest in the nation to decide the GOP nominee. Can I get your name, honey? Franklin Middle School in Des Moines has a nice big auditorium. It played host to five different precincts, and people started filing through the doors promptly at 6 p.m. And here's your ballot. You only get one, so don't drop it. (laughs) This place used to be a church before it was a middle school, so they all found their pews by 7 p.m. Thank you so much for braving the cold weather and coming out tonight for tonight's caucus event. And remember, in a primary, everyone talks about the sanctity of the voting booth. But in a caucus... It is about convincing people at the last possible moment. Each campaign is allowed a five-minute speech. It's usually surrogates. But here, Nikki Haley had decided to come and give her own. Thank you for getting out in the cold. I will tell you, it has been an amazing 11 months. In the last few days, her stock had been rising. People asked if she could start to make Donald Trump nervous. But talk about politicking at a caucus site. Right as she was about to begin, who arrives but Donald Trump Jr. He actually happened to sit down right next to me. You gonna be speaking tonight? I believe so. So Haley gives her speech. Donald Trump Jr. stands up to eviscerate her. Democrat mega donors are donating to Hillary Clinton or Nikki Haley, which is basically the same thing. It's Hillary. And then after a few other short speeches, the voting begins. Okay, so they've started dropping their ballots in these buckets. I mean, these aren't, you know, ballot boxes. This is a, this is a paint bucket with the number of the precinct on it. And people are just quickly lining up, dropping it in, sitting back down. When it was all over, Haley had won three of these precincts. Trump had won two. But that's not what mattered here. What mattered is that a guy you heard yesterday, actually, who runs this caucus site, Will Rogers, had said a week ago he was expecting 2,000 people to show up to this caucus site. It'd be a huge turnout, but because of the blizzard, he was now only expecting 1,500 or so. Well, when all those scraps of paper were finally tallied, they added up to less than 300 votes. That's right, with the fate of the 2024 GOP race perhaps hanging in the balance, lots of Iowans just stayed home. So right now, I'm sitting in the GOP Media Center for the Iowa caucus. Like This is where the media world comes to. Some narratives are shifting as we speak, and we're going to quickly break down what we just witnessed overnight. We've got a couple guests with us. First, let's start with ABC's Brittany Shepard, our national politics reporter. Can we just, like, break this down candidate by candidate? We have this big, like, the big board up in front of us at this convention site right now. What are we looking at? Okay, maybe no shocker, anybody listening, but it's complete Trump domination. What we're seeing right now, from squinting to read, is Trump leading by 23,000 votes. We want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. 
might not be a surprise to people who have been paying attention this entire time, seeing Trump just completely dominate. And a little fast fact for you, no one's ever won a contested Republican Iowa caucus by 13 or more. Trump is on route to absolutely crush that number. And there was- he's up like 18 or 19 percent. Yeah, it's huge. Right. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. <laughs> And there was a real squeaker battle for second and third place. And looking at the numbers, DeSantis is around 21%. We've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. And Haley is at 19. Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. As we're looking at the data, there's a lot of red. Almost 98 of 99 counties we're seeing is completely pulling for Trump. But there's that one speck of blue. You see that, Brad? That's Johnson County. It's Iowa's bluest county. And right now, Haley and Trump are effectively tied there. We did not achieve the surprise that we wanted to deliver tonight. And in fourth came entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, who essentially instantly dropped out the moment of the evening wrap. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America First candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement. Iowans often say their job is to winnow the field. So if that's any metric to that end, their night was something of success. Look, one person dropped out. And now there's a lot more talk of what this means for second and third place going forward. I think it's time we should talk about turnout because it was pretty low. Yeah, I could tell this was happening like at my caucus site. And I know it's not indicative of everything, but like I was like, something's happening here. And our listeners might not realize, but it was pretty cold here in Iowa. One of those negative 40 days where you like throw water in the air and see if it freezes on impact, right? And the campaigns knew that this could have a tremendous impact of who feels comfortable actually leaving their house, who's bold enough to go out in sub-zero temperatures. Basically, every candidate who isn't named Trump has been running what I've been calling a field of dream strategy to, you know, to borrow from a little Iowa landmark here. If you build it, they will come. Exactly. If you build the ground game, then the voters will just come pouring out, even if it's like negative 20 degrees outside. I think you've got to look no further than Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's had, by my count, 100 177 events in the last 63 days. That's more than Haley and Trump's events combined. And to that end, the DeSantis campaign tried to actively engage folks who they thought would support him and might be vulnerable or need some help getting out to caucus sites so they would help dig them out of their driveways or even shuttle them to and from their precincts. And when it, this is a contest where he set up to best Nikki Haley by like 1%, 2%. Every little person coming out to those caucus sites matters. You know, you were right there. You were just there. We were with the door knockers, and I remember the the Des Moines Register poll had just come out and said, you know, it looks like DeSantis is actually trailing Nikki Haley. Well, it looks like he just beat her, albeit very, very tightly. Right, but a win is a win, right? Right. Right. If you can say I'm second, that means you're not third, and that matters going into New Hampshire, right? Okay, so and then we don't have exit polls in caucuses. We have entrance polls like they, they actually have people standing outside at some of these sites and go like what do you think as you go into the caucus site so we know a little bit about like demographics and things what are we seeing in all this data can you just help me wrap my mind around what it told us i think the most important takeaway is age folks here in iowa were a little bit on the older side that benefits someone named donald trump 43 percent of the voters were age 65 and older that group overwhelmingly supports donald trump Voters 45 or older seem to preference Trump, but less so with younger voters who seem split in between Trump and DeSantis. And just younger voters didn't show up in the same kind of margins that that maybe folks expected them to. Okay, so like what you're saying is like people who would normally like Donald Trump show up and like 
just Trump voters got out to the polls. Is that because of as much as we were talking about the DeSantis ground game? Is it is the Trump ground game just that? Impressive. No, it was not by accident. It was not just coasting on vibes only. Trump's campaign had a very ambitious staffing effort, basically dating all the way back to 2016. I want to throw some numbers your way. You ready for those numbers? The Trump campaign had more than 2,000 precinct captains hosting more than 400 caucus trainings and collecting more than 50,000 commit to caucus cards, Brad. The bet here is that MAGA was more than a slogan. It was a mobilizable movement, right? It, it isn't just vibes and energy that, that they had to translate that to actually getting your boots in the snow, getting in your car and coming out because it matters when people show up clearly, right? Because I think there was this thought that there, Trump was already doing so well in Iowa. So maybe they wouldn't have to leave the house because their guy was already taken care of by their friends and families Complacent. and neighbors. Exactly, right? And they were like, well, my neighbor will take care of my guy, right? And Trump came to the state to assure his voter base that that can't be the case. I actually remember him telling voters, even if you die after you come out, please come out. Even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it. <laughs> if you're sick, if you're just so sick, you can't donate. I don't think, get up! And you look across these counties, like you said, there's 99 counties in Iowa. One of them went for Nikki Haley, maybe that, like, that one's still on a knife edge. The others, you cannot find a county where the plurality of these voters were not on the side of Donald Trump. And if your name is Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy, where they've done the full Grassley, a.k.a. visiting 99 counties once, and if you're Ramaswamy twice and you see these margins, you just can't help but be upset and think, my return in investment was pretty much kerplonk. Not going to any other state. She's not trying this again. We'll see about the others. Actually, we'll talk about those other candidates when we come back. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you. So next up on Start Here, is Iowa half full of Trump voters or is it half empty? Campaigns need to decide real quick after the break. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so we talked about what just happened. 
this just kicks off a new phase of this campaign. So let's talk about what happens now and the day after today. Let's go to ABC's White House correspondent, Mary Alice Parks, who's with us right here in this kind of GOP war room, I guess. Mary Alice, if this race isn't dead yet, did Donald Trump just knock it down on the floor? I don't know. I just got back from a caucus site uh, where Nikki Haley won. And the woman who spoke on her behalf uh, came rushing up to me at the end and said, OK, let me see the numbers. Let me see the numbers. I started talking to her about Trump's big numbers. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, where's Nikki Haley? Is second or third? What's the, what's the spread? What's the margin? People here were ready for that secondary headline. Trump winning here was seen by so many as a foregone conclusion. And so what exactly his margin was going to be, how far over 50 percent or not, uh, those were storylines they were already looking for. I can picture a, a DeSantis room right now where supporters are saying, OK, Trump didn't get 60 percent. I know that seems crazy to talk about, but but there is this little bit of an argument. He didn't get 60 percent, right? And if you uh, if you have to make a pitch tomorrow and the day after that there's a reason to stay in this race, there's a reason to keep giving money to Ron DeSantis, that's the pitch you're making, that, that there's still about half of these voters who weren't voting for him. And those were the voters that were dialed in, at least the caucus side I was at and they were looking today. That's interesting that, like, on one hand, you look at this and you go, wow, half of all these Republicans are voting for Trump in a state where there are three or four, like, different candidates. The other way of looking at it, you're saying is, Half these people view Trump as like the president already, and they they don't even want to vote for him, these Republicans. Yeah, and look, over the last few days, I've met a lot of those never-Trump voters, you know, and that uh, is a part of the party that clearly is not the dominant factor here, but it's a part of the party, and it's a part of the party that's going to have to be reckoned with. And what's interesting to me is how much that part of the party, those voters who are not interested in, um, you know, in a rematch of, of, of former President Trump, um, their, their reasonings are, are all across the board. Right. Some people just flat out don't like him. Some people think he's a crook. Some people like him a whole lot, but they think the Republicans lose too much when he's the top of the ticket. I talked to, a, you know, just every sort of stripe of Republican uh, voter. And, and I think that what there's nothing out of these results um, that I think leaves any of those voters totally out. I guess that's a sloppy way of saying I don't see Ron DeSantis packing it up with these results. Nikki Haley's clearly proud of the work she has in New Hampshire and how um, how she's really accelerated in the polls there. Uh, you know, people are um, there's a lot of Repu different kinds of Republican voters that are going to find something they like to see in these results. It sounds like neither of them considering dropping out right now. We haven't heard anything like that. Okay, right. So if that's the case, what do they need to get out of, say, New Hampshire? Like what, now looking at Trump 50, DeSantis 21, Nikki Haley 19, what needs to happen in New Hampshire for them to keep this dance going? Well, I think Ron DeSantis needs to not be completely embarrassed. Um, Nikki Haley, uh, you know, those are her voters. Independents can vote there if they want. They can choose whichever ballot they want. She obviously, we've, we've talked so much, she has the backing of Governor Sununu, so popular there in New Hampshire. She's really accelerated in the polls there in New Hampshire. She has to um, really get within spitting distance of, of Trump in that in that um, race. If, she, if, if for some reason she underperforms there, that'll actually be a pretty big blow. She probably wants to knock out DeSantis before she goes to her home state of South Carolina to do battle. Yeah, and, and she'd, she'd like to, you know, 
make it look more like a race with Trump. I mean, Trump's really popular in South Carolina. She doesn't want to go home and just get romped on. That's not fun. And I think that, you know, Ron DeSantis is going to look for ways to spin um, what I was just talking about against Nikki Haley. In, in the last few days, he's really ramped up this argument that she's relying on those independent voters and that that somehow um, isn't viable or a betrayal of the Republican Party. He's going to want to find data points or, or future voters, future endorsements in future states where he can say, you know, I have real Republicans. I'm talking about real Republican issues. He's going to he's he, we're already seeing it. He's trying to paint her as as the rhino. Tough to be a second or third place finisher here, but that's what we got. All right. Mary Alice Parks, thank you so much. Thanks, Brad. Okay, that's going to do it for us here in Iowa. We got a jet. We are on a plane to New Hampshire in a couple hours. Because of all the snow, who knows what's going to happen here. I'm out tomorrow, and Flaherty will get you caught up on everything. I'm Brad Milkey. Catch you in the Granite State. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.